Hi, and welcome to the Squadcast. This is the podcast from London voiceover agency Voice Squad. If it's your first time, welcome. And if you're coming back to listen again, good to have you back. Whatever your interest or connection to the voiceover world or the audio world, Squadcast is here to give you a bit of an insight into the workings of a voice agency and also the skills involved for the actors concerned, for the voice artists who work in the audio world. I'm David John. I work in audio, do various voiceovers and ADR on audio books and radio drama. I'm on the Equity Council as the audio councillor. And each week I'll be talking to different people, interviewing actors, uh, producers, all sorts of people involved in the voiceover industry. This week, I'm very happy to say I'm talking to Adjua Ando, who is a film TV stage actress, director and a voice squad artist. Adjua's played all sorts of characters through the years. She's had a career that spanned over 35 years. She's appeared in all sorts of programmes, EastEnders, Casualty, Doctor Who, many, many others. She's been in many, many stage productions. Recently, she directed and starred in Richard II at the Globe Theatre. She is actually an award-winning audiobook reader and has, has read many, many audiobooks, including the number one Ladies Detective Agency series. So hugely experienced and we're delighted to have her with us. So, Adj, welcome. Thank you, Dave. Welcome to the famous Squadcast. The Squadcast. See what you did there. <laughs> yeah, see what I did. Uh, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, so, it's great you're talking to us. Uh, My really pleasure. Happy. Just before you run into the studio, we've got ten, we've got ten minutes for a quick chat. Okay. Uh, so, let's start with where it all began for you, acting. When did yes. you kind of know or think this is what I want to do? Well, I suppose there's two things really. There's the acting and there's the voice side of it in a way. Yeah. Um, so, I am the eldest child of an African man who was a journalist. Okay. Uh, so, we had the World Service on relentlessly, and then with the advent of Radio 4, because, listeners, that's how old I am, <laughs> uh, we had Radio 4 on uh, relentlessly. And I and my father's a musician as well, my brother's a musician, my nephew's a musician, my grandmother's a musician. So, sound... And what you can do with listening has always been a huge part of my life. Mm. And I love the radio. So I've been listening to voices all my life, as, as far back as I can remember. Yeah. Um, and I love storytelling. Yeah. And when I was a kid, you know, we had the, the lovely childhood things of my father would come up every night with his guitar and sing to me and my brother and oh, read us stories. And it wasn't until I was older and friends came round and were kind of going, so your dad's coming in? Why is that? That I realised that it was weird and not everybody did it. So um, I've always loved that. I was that kid from, I don't know, four, five, six, who was very... I was very conscious of um, how you put yourself across. And that might be because uh, my brother, me, and my dad were the black people in the middle of the Cotswolds in the 60s for about a 50-mile range. <laughs> so how you presented yourself um, could mean the difference between you being chased up the road uh, or not. Yeah. So I learned very early on that that was something you needed as like a survival skill as much yeah. as anything. yeah. But I was also that annoying kid that dragged my friends round and would put on plays in the front room for which we would charge our parents for the um, excruciating privilege of having to sit through hours of, you know, execrable old nonsense. So I, I was that kid. Lots of dressing up, lots of playing. Yeah. Or, or, or I was always writing books and doing stories with illustrations and um, 
all that sort of thing. So um, it's been a huge part of my life. Obviously, we're talking sort of 60s, 70s Cotswolds. Nobody became an actor because you may as well have said, I'm going to be a nuclear physicist. Sure. It just wasn't what one did out yeah. in the Cotswolds. Yeah. So I won lots of prizes at school for plays, which were my favourite thing. We weren't even allowed to do drama in my school unless you were in the sixth form doing A-levels because drama wasn't a proper subject. Right. So yeah. I did the school plays. When I was in the upper sixth, I did O-level drama. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. I went. I remember going to see a play um, at the Old Vic in Bristol, written by David Hare, called Plenty. Yes, starring I Kate it. Nelligan, nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, um, and uh, I was a depressed teen. You know, <laughs> join the club. Yeah, join the club. <laughs> who wasn't? Um, and I went to see it on my own. I went to a matinee. I had to write a school report on it, and I remember just weeping. And coming out and just understanding that although the play was about a woman during the Second World War from a rather wealthy, middle-class, white English family who goes to France and becomes a spy and then comes back and has to stop being fabulous at being a spy and go back to being a secretary, I understood that something in that story really moved me. Hmm. And I understood the power of theatre, yeah. uh, the, the power of drama, regardless of whether you saw your exact story on stage or not. Yeah. Um, and I wanted it. I wanted to be a part of it. I didn't do that. I did my A-levels. I uh, worked for Lloyds Bank, as uh, many people where I did, grew up did, or joined the civil service. Um, hated that. Did two years of a law degree, made my father very happy and then made him very sad when I bailed on it because I wanted to be an actor. Yep. Uh, and then eventually found my way to London where I blagged my way, got an audition, got a job and um, then cleaned a lot of toilets, lived in the squat yep. and then slowly worked work my That's way fine. through, which was something you could sort of do in the early 80s. Yeah. Uh, that we had a freedom to not know what we wanted to do. Yeah, uh, which kind uh, of isn't there nowadays. It's just not. I just, just think for young yeah. people they don't have that same so freedom generally yeah. anyway anyway yeah so 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 that was more support for the arts in general wasn't there and there uh, was and there was more latitude you you know yeah. there were cheap and free places you could live yeah. you could sign yeah. on yeah. you know you could yeah. there, was, there was more latitude yeah, yeah. anyway uh, and then eventually you know the years go on and you you you, you worm your way into the business yeah it's, it's um the question often asked that uh, is about how do you decide, you know, to actors, how do you decide what you're going to do next? And because for us, it's kind of stuff how comes along. How do you decide? And you, you get offered. You have you the think, freedom to decide. Exactly. You and just choose. Any work that comes along, you, uh, you know. Well, I mean. In I, the early days, of course. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I suppose I'm a bit pickier. Now. Now. Yeah, well, so you should I am. be, yeah. Um, generally, I just. I want to do good work. I don't want to do work where I have to work very hard to paper over the cracks of something that's not very good. Yeah. I would rather have to work hard to live up to the material. Yeah. Um, uh, and that and that gives me great joy. So, you know, so I love doing things like Shakespeare because you really have to live up to the material or, you know, narrating an audio book by, I don't know, Anne Leckie yeah. or doing something by Toni Morrison yeah. or... Really good work. You know, really... Yeah, of course. Maya Angelou, you know, really good, yeah. really good work. Some of those great African writers, Chinua Achebe, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, the, you know, good work. Yeah, that's yeah. what it's all about, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, uh, but I, you know, equally, I love, there was a little moment where I could do some CBBC 
yeah. stories. And I, I love reading kids' books. Yeah, I've just yeah. done a load of... Um, you know, I just I just love doing lots of silly voices and doing all that stuff, so I'm really happy to do... Yeah, it's a completely different kind of skill, isn't it? That thing of just using your voice rather than I, working in the theatre. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of... it, that, That's about the medium, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's exactly the same skill if you're doing an audio that's... Uh, you know, book book of the week on Radio Four, or you're reading some some fun bedtime stories for yeah. two year olds. That's the same skill, yeah, but you're right. Yeah. And I I quite often um, do uh, I work with um, potential actors who were, are auditioning to join the BBC Radio Drama Company, and I'll give them some tu- tuition there. Um, and I always say you have to think of the microphone as the listener's ear. Yes. So everything you do, you yeah. All your silky comedy faces and all that, yeah. forget about it. All your business. Forget about physical it. Physical business. All you've about. got is your voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you really have to, you have to focus all your skills into that. And just just think, it's such an intimate, voice work is so intimate. Mm. It's I think it's the most intimate acting uh, medium that there is. It's just you and the listener and you have mm. to evoke a whole world and all the characters and all the drama and all the tension and you're working on so many parallel levels at the same time. That's what I really love. Mm. You know, you're the narrator. You're the person who's being chased. You're the person who's doing the chasing. Yeah. You know, the whole shimoli, it's yeah. you. And I and I, I love the challenge of that and I really love uh, listening to good readers. Yeah. So you know, I like being on either Outside, side. Yeah. Either side. And it is this, as you say, it's that intimate thing. It's not an audience. It's one person. It's one person who's listening with their headphones on, or yep. laying in their bed listening to book at bedtime or whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. It's just that one-on-one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you uh, just on a technical note, you kind of voice-wise? Yeah. Do you do you do anything in particular to look after your voice? Yes. Or, yeah. What do you do? I drink vodka. Lots of vodka. Very good for the no, voice. No, really good. No, no, no. I, I, I'm a big fan of vitamin C. Uh, I'm, um, I, I take industrial quantities of vitamin C every day. Right. Because what you don't want is a throat infection or a chest infection. Absolutely. That's you wiped. Can't work. Can't work. Yep. Um, sage tea is great. Um, gargling. Always stretch your voice uh, before and after. It's yep. like. If you're like about to run a four-minute mile or whatever, or yeah. 20-hour mile, however, whatever you like, you have to stretch your voice. So if if I've if I've been doing a show or I've been doing a, you know, a game or something which involves screaming or shouting, you have to stretch out those vocal cords after. Just yawn, yeah. root of the tongue, stretch it all out, yeah. um, and um, drink gallons of water. Yeah, water, hydrate, water, water, hydrate, hydrate. Yeah, 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 because you can you can damage you know people yeah. have damaged their voices. Yeah, and I know it always sounds a bit you know actor wafty, but keeping my neck warm, all that you know, all those things that people think, oh God, look at yeah. her, what on earth is she doing? I'm thinking I'm protecting my yeah. livelihood. It's my tool. That's yeah. my tool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so yeah. all of that stuff uh, with an audio book because I, I don't know about you, I find it's such a long day. Um, Concentration. And you get to three, four o'clock in the afternoon, and it's. The focus and the voice yep. is getting tired, yep. and yep. it's quite a hard day's work. I mean, it's it also I find it I, I find it emotionally. I've just mm. finished doing um, the Tenant of Wildfell Hall and Bronte for Penguin Classics, and um, you just have to emotionally go there all yeah. the time. And yeah. um, I, I I always feel my husband writes novels, and I always feel 
you mustn't shortchange either the listener or the writer. Mm. You know, somebody spent maybe years of their life just diving into dark places, difficult places, whatever it is, to create this piece of work. And you have to honour their work and the time and money that the listener is now about to spend listening to you, um, you know, bring their work to life audibly. So you really have to honour everybody's work by doing your work. And that means you have to be emotionally on it. You have to be vocally on it. You have to be narratively on it. Well, I think you've got to go to the studio. Oh, so uh, thank you. My pleasure. This may continue at a later date. Okie dokes. It's been brilliant. Yeah. Thanks, Adj. Bless. Thank you very much. Cheers. So that was great having a little chat with Adj. You were there. Sorry she had to rush off into the studio. But that's the nature of the job. Next week, we'll be talking to David Rintel, whose career has spanned work all the way from Mr. Darcy to Peppa Pig via Game of Thrones. Uh, and of course, many, many other credits through the years. A huge amount of audio work. So please do join us for that. You can find out more about Voice Squad, listen to our artists by visiting voicesquad.com. Feel free to check us out on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. And if you enjoyed this episode, then please do subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. The Squadcast is a Voice Squad limited production. It's hosted by me, David John, and devised by Neil Comrich and produced and edited by Emma Samuel. If you have any questions at all about the show, please do visit our website or you can always drop an email to voices at voicesquad.com.